that has been constructed <clears throat> to be prayed all over the world. And uh, these that are coming to lead us will simply be doing that. They're going to be leading. But the prayer will also be on the PowerPoint behind us so that we can join in. Okay, We're not going to hear to watch somebody else pray. It is a prescribed prayer. But uh, nonetheless, I think we can work our way through it. Would that be all right? Would it be easier if I just asked those individuals to come at this time and stand here? And uh, then you can pass the baton as you need to. This being the baton right here. And uh, this baton is saying it needs a battery. It's all red. Anybody got their Walkman on them? Or their, uh, well, that's an old school term, isn't it? Walkman. Anybody got a double-A got a battery on them? I'm going to get a little green for a moment, maybe. Good luck. Hallelujah. Almighty God. First, we have PowerPoints for this so that we can join in together. Is that still? Let me check this. Still green? Yeah, see, it keeps going. Keeps fouling red on us. And it's taped closed. So maybe we're going to switch to a, a wired mic, eh? That'll be the way to go. Just hook the base. Murphy's here. If there's a cord, it'll catch. All right, that's the one we got right there. And I'll get out of the way. Hallelujah. Almighty. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving the world so greatly. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. We are grateful to call you Father and to be called your children. Nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Father, for adopting us into your family because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord Jesus Christ, You alone are worthy to open the scrolls of history, for you were slain and have redeemed us to the Father by your blood. We confess that you are head of the church and Lord of heaven and earth. May people from every tribe and language become your followers so that your blessing brings transformation among all peoples. Let your kingdom be established in every nation of the world so that governments will rule with righteousness and justice. And may your name be great from the rising of the sun to its setting. Jesus Christ, you are the Savior of the world and the Lord of all. We acknowledge that we have sinned and that our world is gripped by the power of sin. Our hearts are grieved by the injustice, hatred, and violence. We are shamed by oppression, 
racism, and bloodshed in our land. We mourn all loss of life in murder, war, and terrorism. Our parents are broken and our churches are divided. Our rebellion and pride. Our lives are polluted by selfishness, greed, idolatry, and sexual sin. We have grieved your heart and brought shame to your name. Have mercy on us as we repent with all our hearts. God of mercy, forgive our sins, pour out your grace, and heal our land. Spirit of the living God, apart from you, we can do nothing. Transform your church into the image of Jesus Christ. Release your power to bring healing to the sick, freedom to the oppressed, and comfort to those who mourn. Pour your love into our hearts and fill us with compassion to answer the call of the homeless and the hungry and to enfold orphans, widows, and the elderly in your care. Give us wisdom and insight for the complex problems we face today. Help us to use the resources of the earth for the well-being of all. Holy Spirit, we need your comfort and guidance. Transform our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, because you were dead, but now risen, and the Father has given you a name above all names, you will defeat all powers of evil, tear down strongholds and ideologies that resist the knowledge of God, remove the veil of darkness that covers the peoples, restrain the evil that promotes violence and death, bring deliverance from demonic oppression, and break the hold of slavery, tyranny, and disease. Fill us with courage to preach your word fearlessly and to intercede for the lost faithfully. Almighty God, deliver us from evil. King of glory, come and finish your work in our cities, our peoples, and our nations. We lift our voices in unison with believers from Africa and Asia, from the Middle East and Europe, from North and South America, and from Australia and the Pacific Islands. Together we cry, lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, ye ancient doors, so that the King of glory may come in. As your deeds increase throughout the earth, and as your blessings abound to all the nations, they will seek you asking, Who is this King of glory? Together we will answer, He is the Lord Almighty. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come fill the earth with your glory as the waters cover the sea. The Spirit and the Bride say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. 
Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your help this morning. Hallelujah. How difficult would it be to throw the the live segment there right now? I guess I shouldn't ask. How on a one to ten? Was a yeah. six maybe? Huh? No. <laughs> for the glory of the name of the Lord. People are singing. This moment of worship is led by Mont Red Choir, a United Methodist Church Choir. You can also see our First Lady comfortable in her seat and praising the name of the Lord. You can, yeah. When you get home, if you have a computer, of course, and you can, if you want to establish an account, it's real simple to do with, just go to www.god.tv. Don't do the .com or .god.tv, and there'll be a place you can uh, log in, and they're they're running this live for the last two days, I believe, and uh, you can participate all day at home, you know, on the internet. I don't know. Uh, somebody said it's probably available on satellite or TV as well, but I uh, I don't know how to steer you on that because I haven't had television for over 20 years. <laughs> can you believe that? Can we turn those other lights on? Thank you. I have a television, and I have a DVD player. I just have never, I haven't been hooked up to any system for a long time, huh? I see, maybe 25 years, maybe 30 years. Can't be 30. I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, has a has a knob and a fine tuning dial. Yeah, Psalm 34. Yeah, little rabbit ears on the top. <laughs> Something wrong with it. I can't seem to get anything. When I did, when I first moved here to Big Bear, that's what we had. We had an antenna and a tree up in the top of Moonridge, and we could get three stations. 
the three LA stations, that was it. You remember? And uh, on a stormy day, you might get a couple extra ones. Yeah. Yeah. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I would underline the word seek. In fact, I already have. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. There's that word seek again. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Anybody want to shout amen? Amen. Uh Uh-huh. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Hallelujah. I heard the conversation in the hallway this morning already. I heard it last night. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know what the nice part about a testimony is? You know what a testimony is when you glorify God and you tell of your testimony, how God's been good to you. But the word testimony includes the word test. You can't have a testimony without a test. We know it. Yet we're surprised by the affliction. We're surprised by the attacks. We're surprised that the enemy would come regularly and whack on us. And that the world would hate us. And that our flesh would betray us. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are our three main battles. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But we have a great victor. We have a more than a conqueror, Jesus. And we have the Lord God Almighty on our side who says that he will deliver all of us out of our troubles. You've got to get in trouble to get out of it. That's the hard part. You've got to have some trouble to get set free from it. Rats. Oh, shucks. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 12. If you need a title this morning, we'll call it Principles of Prayer. We need to be on the, uh, the task here with the Holy Spirit and what He's saying around the world and the global day of prayer. I have to tell you that um, I'm not always the, as they say, the sharpest crayon in the box. 
Is that how they say it? But uh, I am at least in the box. And uh, as the Lord began to demonstrate the message to me and to my heart uh, last night, I, it was, I was clueless about the Global Day of Prayer. I don't know why. I was just out of sync with it. I mean, it's been going on for 10 or 11 days, and uh, lots of things have been happening, but it just was not in my mind and thinking. Yet the message last night and for today of principles of prayer fits right into what God is saying to the church. So I feel like I'm at least being used by him, okay? Second Chronicles chapter 12. I'll try not to bore you with too much reading, but there will be a, a, a bit of reading. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen, and people without number who came with him out of Egypt, the Lubim, the Sukkim, and the Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak and said to them, Thus says the Lord. This is something that we need to point out immediately today, is that we need the voice of God. We need the prophetic insight of God himself. We need his voice to speak to us clearly in these days, to tell us where we've gone wrong and where we're going right. We need to stir up the gifts of the Spirit in the sanctuary. We need to stir up the gifts of the Spirit in the lighthouses. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to move freely among us through the giftings and callings that he's placed into our lives. Some of us have been held back. We've not had a lot of audio uh, prophetic in the sanctuary of late. There's a, there's a stymieing that needs to be cut off of us. There needs to be a breaking loose again of the God of Israel in our midst by his prophetic voice. The prophetic voice brings us guidance. My life has been personally guided by the prophetic since 1971. I have a prophetic word over my life that came to me from the prophet of the Lord in 1971 that is still unfolding today. I was amazed this morning as I was preparing to come that the words of that prophetic utterance that God spoke to me back in 1971 were going through my mind. Involuntarily. I was not conjuring it up. I was not trying to remember it. The Holy Spirit was emphasizing again in my spirit, these are things I said to you, they are still unfolding, and I'm still at work. That's a long time ago. How many years is that? 38 years ago. The Word of God is alive and powerful, quick, sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It brings life to our whole body. We need the voice of God. And He is not silent in these days. He has not written the Bible and dropped us off and said, I'll be back later. Good luck. He is with us on a daily basis and He is answering prayer. Now, Rehoboam and the Israelites have forsaken God's law, right? And the enemy has come up to attack them, the Bible says, because of that. Because they forsook the law. Not because they were weaklings, not because of their number, not because of their resources. It was a discipline that was coming from God. Well, thus says the Lord, you have forsaken me and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and they said, The Lord is righteous. 
Now when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah again, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they will be his servants, listen to this, that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. If they're going to forsake me, I'm going to discipline them. When they humble themselves and pray, familiar passage in an earlier scripture, just a few chapters ahead of this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. Here they humble themselves. They know the principle. It's built into them as a nation. When you forsake God and He disciplines you, you must humble yourself and seek His face. And in between humbling and seeking comes repentance. These are principles of prayer. They humble themselves. And God says, I'm going to lift my hand. I'm not going to destroy them like I had planned to. However, I am going to let them become subject to another king because this way they can distinguish what it means to serve me as king or to see, serve the kings of the earth. Do you have some concern about where America is going today? Do you have some concerns about the political structures that we face and what seems to be a dam that is broken and just unleashed all kinds of stuff flooding into our nation that is scaring us, to be quite frank about it? There are things that we are unnerved by. There are things that we are angry about. And uh, you know what? It's not about this nation. It's about God and His glory. And if God unleashes upon us a discipline, and causes us to understand what it means to serve under the kings of nations rather than to serve Him, then praise His name if it draws us back to Himself. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. Whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out, and then they would take them back. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as to not destroy him completely. And things also went well in Judah. Talking about Israel. And Judah, this is what we call the divided kingdom. This is after Jeroboam and Rehoboam had parted company. And two tribes had gone with Judah and ten tribes with Israel. So they're a divided kingdom. That's why these phrases are included. Things also went well in Judah. Chapter 13. And in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Abijah became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. In other words, there was war between Judah and Israel. Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men. Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. Then Abijah stood on the mountain of Zeremiah, uh, excuse me, Zim, Zimaraim, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, and said, now listen, here's a king standing on a mountain. You know, I usually jump up on a chair and try to demonstrate. But imagine, he's standing up on this mountain. We don't have Fender. We don't have uh, QSC. We don't have any of the amplification we need. We don't have wireless microphones. We just have a king standing up on a mountainside. And they understood how to work these principles of being heard. But he stands up, and whether heard or not, he shouts out, Hear me, Jeroboam and all Israel! How many of them are sitting out there? 800,000 people. 
Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant and servant of Solomon, and the son of David rose up and rebelled against his Lord. Then worthless rogues gathered to him and strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and inexperienced and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in, your, in the hand of the sons of David, and you are a great multitude, and with you are the gold calves which Jeroboam made for you as gods. Have, not you, have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, and the Levites, and made for yourselves priests like the people of other lands, so that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of things that are not gods? He's accusing them. He's telling them the facts. But as for us, as he stands on the mountain in front of 800,000 opponents, but as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites attend to their duties, and they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. They also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table and the lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn in every evening. For we keep the command of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Now look, God himself is with us as our head and his priests with sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you. O children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambush, ambush to go around behind them. So they were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. We got them surrounded, boys. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at the both front and rear. And they cried out to the Lord, and the priests sounded the trumpets. Excuse me a moment while I get my pen out and underlined, cried out. This is important. Have you got the picture? King on the mountain, 800,000. While he's telling them, don't fight against God himself, he's our head. We've, we've kept the law, we're keeping the worship service, we've got things in order, we are honoring him, he is our head. You've forsaken him, you've taken out all the priests, the Levites, you've put in anybody who wants to be a priest, they can be a priest of the gods who aren't gods on your side. you got golden calves down there, you're fighting against God himself. This is pointless. While he's saying this to them, they're sending maybe half, huh, 400,000 around behind them to surround them. When they look up and find out they're surrounded, they're already outnumbered. If you did the math, they're outnumbered. Now they're surrounded. What do, what do they do? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, man. Come on. We said it just a few minutes ago. There are days when you feel like you are surrounded. Right? There's trouble on every hand. Is there any end to this? What happened to this blessed life of following Jesus? Where's the blessing? I'm surrounded. They cried out, and the priest sounded the trumpets. Earlier this morning, I was uh, doing the God TV deal with the global thing in this uh, stadium event in Hong Kong, and it was, it was I, I just get delighted by stuff like this. It tickles me, okay, to see a, a whole pack of Asian young people with shofars. 
Just, and I thought, this just is so cool. They're just going in unison. Now, the shofar is the instrument of choice here. It's the trumpet. It is the ram's horn. It is the, the uh, prescribed method of invoking God into the battle. Invoking God in worship and invoking God in battle. We've heard that lots of times. So they cry out and they get the priests blowing the horns. And I thought they were blowing them this morning. And they're going to blow them all day long all around the globe. Millions and millions of people are praying today. All day long on this global day of prayer. This is the fifth annual event. In fact, if you want to start planning now next year, it's going to be back where it started in Johannesburg. And they're inviting us all to come. South Africa. You want to go? Hey, they speak English down there. You can go. You can be there for the main event. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter, so 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. Thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. They cried out. They humbled themselves. We see humility in the first chapter when they humble themselves, and God says, okay, I'm going to lift the discipline, but I'm going to let you serve other kings, so you can see the difference between serving kings and serving me. Have you felt the difference? We know what it's like to have days in our lives when we're not really fully submitted to the king of kings. We're serving the kings of this world, or we're serving our own little golden calves, or we're serving our own little idols, whatever they are. And we know the difference between living in the power structure of the kingdom of God and living in the power of men. Which one do we like best? We love the presence of God. We love Him to be among us. We love to have His blessing. We know when He's around us, when He has, according to Psalm 34, encamped the righteous. We love it. And yet there are days when we step aside and go live some other way. Come on, I'll be the first to admit it. I have to. I'm the leader. (laughs) Makes it easier for you. But when we find out we've strayed, we see ourselves under the discipline, the loving, disciplined hand of God. He doesn't come to punish us. He comes to discipline. Discipline shapes the character. Discipline shapes our future. Punishment does nothing but make us enemies with the punisher. And so, he lifts. He makes a difference. Now these guys in another battle just cry out, Lord, we're surrounded. We blow the trumpets and we shout. This coming Friday night is prayer first here. It's a first Friday night. Let me, I'm going to need to say this too. We are not going to have a celebration service here on Saturday next, on June the 6th. We're going to have the prayer night on Friday. We're going to take Saturday off and just invite everybody to join together on Sunday. Okay, so next Saturday night, no service. If you're normally in a Saturday night, you're with us this morning or you're listening online, uh, please make a note, June 6th. That we are not going to have a Saturday night service here. We're going to dedicate all our efforts this week into the prayer night. Invite everybody to come. We want to seek His face just like we're seeing here. We want to cry out to God. 
We're not late. It's a global day of prayer today, and it's been going ahead of it. Just because it's a week later doesn't mean it won't be effective if we pray. Amen? Amen. But we're going to gather to pray. We've dedicated the first Friday night of every month to come here and to gather and to pray. It's open to everybody. We're going to worship God, and we're going to pray. Now, keep your ears open on that, because this morning as I was preparing and thinking about this, in my mind, we ended up in a prayer meeting in five different locations across the city, spontaneously. And I don't know if that's going to happen. We might move it. We might end up praying at the Veterans Park. We might end up praying in the parking lot of the high school. We might end up praying at Meadow Park. We might end up praying here. It's going to, we'll start here, okay? If it moves from here, we'll let you know. We'll put it up so you can find it. And we'll let people know. But I don't know, there's a stirring in me that says we ought to take prayer to the streets. I get a little out there, okay, to share this with you. I saw hundreds of people walking through the village, praying and singing in unison, even though they were all the way across the L, if you will, of the village. People at the bottom of the L were singing at the same words at the same time as the people at the top other end of the L. And there was there was like this chain walking on the sidewalk, and it was just flooding the streets with prayer and worship. And I thought, how is that possible? Then I remembered, hey, I've got one of those things I stick in my ear. I could just call somebody on the phone, right? And we're just all singing. We could hear. I didn't know how it worked, but I thought it's probably possible. (laughs) Marching and praying and bringing the presence of God into our community. It doesn't have to happen in the village, El. It could be in the chamber parking lot. It could be anywhere. Maybe it needs to be everywhere. See, the enemy isn't really afraid of us when we keep ourselves in the salt shaker. But we take the salt and shake it out where the world is and start flavoring things. He gets a little upset and we get a little bit of victory. So Friday night prayer first. No Saturday evening service. Everybody comes Sunday and we'll celebrate great victories. Chapter 14. Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Golly, I just thought of parents. Wouldn't that be a promise to claim? (laughs) There could just be quiet in this house for ten years. (laughs) the time they're five till they're fifteen. That would be awesome. Anyway, the land was... Sometimes I interpret things a little odd. You better study your Bible to make sure I'm not fouling it up. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to what? Seek. Seek. Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out of all my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my troubles. I think there's a key word here, seek, sought, crying out, looking for. This has been the word the Lord's been speaking to us since the beginning of the year. I have a list here that I printed out this morning. I just made it last night and this morning of the messages that we've had since the beginning of the year. And when I look down it, here's some just some key thoughts. Reigniting our passion, prayer, cells, missions. Uh, working the impossible, get fit, stay focused on our mission, abide in Christ, hearing God, triumphal entries, from failure to freedom, the walk of wonder, prayer changes things, every home a lighthouse, dealing with transition, call to me, 
And I will answer, God's trying to tell us something about calling out to him and letting him respond in this moment. There's a window that's open, and I believe the heavens are open for God to hear. We've got an open heaven. We ought to take advantage of it and call on God to come down and do mighty and miraculous things in our midst. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, and the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, Let's build these cities and make walls around them, towers and gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, and we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000, now take note, 300,000, from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows, and all these were mighty men of valor. How many is that? That's 580,000, something like that. Half a million. Has anybody ever stood in the middle of a million people that you know of? I mean, other than just randomly, we're standing in the middle of a million people right now, I'm sure, all around us. But it's an, it's an awesome moment. I've stood on the D.C. Mall with a million men at Promise Keepers praying for the nation. And it took all the way from that little pond in front of the Capitol building all the way down to the Washington Monument. That's a mile between those two points. And it was flooded with men standing in sections about two by two, shoulder to shoulder, for a mile. That's a million. This guy's got 580,000. Then Zerah, look at this, the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men. Half a million up against a million, two to one. And it says 300 chariots. And he came to Marisha. So Asa went out against him. And they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephathath at Marisha. And Asa cried out, underlined, cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help. And we have to hear that correctly, don't we? It's no problem for you to help. It's no big deal for you to help. It's nothing for you to help whether with many or with those who have no power. Another principle of prayer is humility. It's that point of when we actually confess to God that we are unable. We're the powerless ones. You're the powerful one. We're the powerless ones. But we know that if we'll come into agreement with you, you grant power and you act and you get the glory and we don't. And that's the way it should be. You should be honored. You should be glorified in our midst. You should be glorified in our community. If somebody's healed and a miracle takes place, God should get the glory. We shouldn't just start a series of meetings at the person's house who laid hands on them when they got healed. Right. right? We tend to gravitate to building things out of what happens. Somebody, If somebody could just be obedient and begin to let the gift of healing flow through them, we could send them everywhere praying for the sick. Miracles could take place. The gift of miracles flowing by the Holy Spirit at His choice, at His designation, could be doing some awesome things in our community. But we have a tendency then to exalt the person and hold a series of meetings around them. Quick, let's capitalize on the gift. We're like Simon in the New Testament said, Man, I'd like to buy that gift. How much is that? 
I'd like to speak in tongues. I'd like to be able to do that. How much does that cost? And you got to walk around blind for a while. We have got to let God go in our midst and quit stymieing Him. Quit holding Him to our standards. Last night we were talking about this together and, and I made the statement that makes so much sense to me. God isn't who I think He is. Nor is He who you think He is. God is who He says He is. We, he made us in Him as, He made us in His image. And we tend to want to make Him into ours. There's a passage in the scriptures that says this, you, this was your problem. You altogether thought I was like you. You made me too small. You boxed me in. You made, try to make me human. I'm not human. I'm God. And God reveals himself in the scriptures over and over and over in passages like this. And we want to try and diminish him and make him like us. Humility says, I'm unable, but God is able. Lord, it's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Didn't Paul say, when I'm weak, he's strong? In my weakest state is when he shines best. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against this multitude. And here ringing, little David, you come at me with a beam and a sword and a shield and a giant. But I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Who are you to defy the God of Israel? I come against you in his name and with his name. That's all I have. That's all we have to fight with. It's his name and his power and his authority. And with him. We rest on you and in your name we go against this multitude. Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against who? You. They're fighting with us, but they're fighting against God. Happened in the, earlier in this other chapter with his dad. Stands up on the mountain and says, hey, don't fight us. You're fighting against God himself. You've forsaken him. We're still serving him. He's our head. You fight with us. You fight with him. God, don't let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah... And the Ethiopians fled. Now, that's almost anticlimactic. That little sentence. This is, by the way, my footnotes, you may have a similar footnote. This million-man army that came up out of Ethiopia is the largest army mentioned in the Bible. This is the most hugest group that ever came out against anybody in the Scriptures. Two to one outnumbered. Okay, guys, you got to take two to one. We got to fight today. No, they said, let's cry out to God. They're fighting against Him. Let's let Him fight. Let's let Him be honored. Let's let Him be glorified. Friday night, when we pray, when we come to pray, I believe God's going to use us to do some incredible things in prayer. I believe that He is going to come and visit with us. Things might even happen among us that night. That would be wonderful for him to be glorified in our midst. And if we do a little shouting, it's okay, it's in the Bible. If we do a little blowing of trumpets, yeah, it's there too. If we get a little rowdy, that's all right. I'm not talking about a prayer meeting. I'm talking about a prayer meeting. 
talking about a call on God meeting. I'm talking about God using us to cry out to Him in the midst of where we live and let Him come down and do what only He can do here and reclaim this place for Him. Let's do some damage in the Spirit and let's do some good in the Spirit as well. And again, if you go into chapter 15, now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, whoa, whoa, I have it underlined again. I just have seek underlined in all these pages. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. These are principles. Principles always work. Did you say that with me? Principles always work. We don't change principles. Principles change us. Principles always work. If you need proof, just go to your second story window and jump out. The principle of gravity will affect you. And you can be screaming all the way down, I don't believe in gravity. And it will still affect you. Principles always work. The principle of Staying with God, humbling yourself, seeking His face, pursuing Him, following after Him, letting Him lead and us follow, rather than say, God, I'm going to do this, come in behind me and bless me. There's a difference, isn't there? God, where are you going? Let me get in line with you, I'll follow you. God, this is where I'm going, get in line and follow me, and bless me along the way. We live in a pretty independent culture. I'm going to preach a message on July 4th. We're not going to have a service on July 4th. Excuse me, it's a Saturday. We're going to take that night off too. Sunday, July 5th. I'm going to preach a message on what's it all about. And the issue that's at stake most is that we're going to celebrate our independence again on July the 4th. Now, if we understand it accurately, our independence is there because we have the opportunity to worship freely. That's where it all started without the government dictating the worship set. That's what independence was about in the United States. We've come a long ways from it. There may be still some copies laying on the table. If not, you could go online or ask us. We'll make you a copy of what's called House Resolution 397. It's a resolution that's been put together by some members of the House of Congress and submitted to the House for review to make the first week of May Spiritual Heritage Week of the United States. Inside of it would include the National Day of Prayer on Thursday. They knowing, as they put this document together, it's multi-page. They put it together. They stated the foundational history of our country. It's a great document. If you ever need a good, just a quick glimpse of the history of our nation and how the Bible was so foundational and central to what we did as a beginning a youthful nation, that would be a great document to have. House Res, you can put H Res 397, search it, print it. You can get it and get it off the government website, whitehouse.gov probably. And you can get a copy of it. But these representatives know that as they submit it, it goes to a council or to a committee. And they say it will probably never come out of that committee. It will never make the House floor. Why did they take the effort to do it? They said, because it needs to be said. Where the leader of our nation is saying, we are not a Christian nation. We have never been a Christian nation. The representatives are standing up saying, somebody needs to stop that man from saying that. 
And But he's the most powerful man. These are just the little guys. But they band together and say, we need to make a statement, even if it's never heard. We need to make a statement. These guys are working at a different level in our government. I believe some of them are believers. Can you imagine with me that if you were one of them, you would be saying, I need to make a declaration in the name of Jesus at this level of government. It needs to be something that's salt and light that's stopping the penetration of the enemy and darkness from ruling over this nation. And so they are acting, and we must also act. Not just politically, but spiritually. We must cry out. We must call on God. We must ask Him to come. And we must understand the principle of humility and pursuit of God. Our principles in prayer. The prophet goes on, For a long time Israel has been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found by them. This is a promise that if we will seek Him, He will be found by us. Bring our kids, bring our young people Friday night. Young people in a prayer meeting can mix really well when the heart of God gets a hold of them. They could lead us. Jesus said a little child will lead them. Bring the young people. You know, there'll be nursery care on Friday night. But if it was up to me, it would be a Norman Rockwell moment. We just all be together as families crying out to God. And if our kids have to go to sleep on the floor, that's fine. Come on, it's Friday night, 7, 8, 30. They're not going to be asleep. If we do it in a park, there'll be stuff they can play on. Wherever we go, we should include our families. Our children need to understand that we are a generation that cry out to God. And they need to be those who cry out to God alongside us. Did you read the little thing you got in your pamphlet last week from, about Zimbabwe? About how the starvation and death is ruling? Does anybody know where Swaziland is? Who knows where Swaziland is? Yeah, that's scary. It's a little tiny country in Africa. Where? I believe if I've got my statistics right, this is a kind of a slap in the face to me, uh, a revelation just in the last 24 hours, that in Swaziland, there's almost no one left who is older than 20. Almost no one. It's almost an entire nation of orphans. AIDS, war, revolution, starvation, famine, no water. And the older ones have died off. Their orphanages... Down there, and this is how I became aware of it. Some friends of mine are going down there with their family to minister and got their support letter. Send us down there, you know, send us some bucks, pray for us. We're going to Swaziland. We're going to work with an orphanage called New Hope. And in this little orphanage, there's 40 or 50 kids whom this one lady has taken in, missionary, and she's given them all new names because they had no names. They had no family. They have no connections. They're nobodies. They're individual kids. And she took them all in, gave them all new names, led them all to Jesus, and is raising them in Christ. And our thoughts, and my friends were saying, we thought we should probably go in and help get those kids out of there. Get them a better life, right? We want everybody to live like us so that they can live better. The lady says, no, don't take them out of here. I'm raising them to be the leaders of a nation. By the time they're 18, they're going to be the rulers of Swaziland. There's only them to rule. They need to be the leaders. They need to know Christ and let the power. What a vision this woman has. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Seek Him and He'll be found. Bring our kids to the prayer meeting. That was that point, right? Let them raise up. Let them know Jesus. Let them lead us into intimacy. 
In those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the land. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong, and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which had been taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. May I say it one more time and reemphasize. They're responding to prophecy. They're responding to prophetic direction from God. When he heard the prophecy, the prophetic word of Oded, coming by the Spirit of the Lord, being announced through the prophet, when they heard the direction of the prophetic word, they took courage and then had the power to respond. We need direction from God in this day. We need His voice to speak to us clearly. And then we can say, Amen, and go in that direction. Right now, if, if we're not hearing it all year so far, God is calling us with the prophetic edge to return to prayer and seeking His face, calling on His name, and He wants to answer. We're the only thing that can impede that happening. If we don't answer the call. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to Him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord as God was with Him. May I apply it? We're in tough times. We're in the time when the church needs to shine. This is our hour. This is our moment. When we call out to God and cry out to God and He answers, and people are healed, and provision is made, and we find ourselves sharing with those around us who are in need, and we strike back against the independent spirit, and that's what I was going to say about that weekend on the 4th of July, is that we live in a nation that, that calls us to... Not just independence, but individuality. My stuff's my stuff. Stay away from it. Mine's what I have. You can't have it. And somebody else has need, well, that's not my problem. I'll give them James. Be warmed and fed and be away with you. Nothing to do. But if the church becomes the church, we're going to find ourselves sharing resources, love, ministry. We're going to find ourselves helping one another. We're going to be the display of the church who loves each other and the world will know that we're Christians because we have love one for another. And when, and when that happens, they're going to come over to us in a crowd. You say, what I've got going doesn't work. What those people have going works. Their God is with them. Let's go over there. Now Israel's the same group that uh, got their tails whipped a couple chapters earlier. Right? And this is what it says. He starts gathering the people and it says, All these other ones came over to him in great numbers from Israel, from their enemies, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. People will run to where God is to meet with him and to know him. So they gathered at Jerusalem. Verse 11, they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep. Verse 12, they entered into a covenant to seek. There's the word again, seek. To seek the Lord their God, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their 
soul. Principles of prayer, humility, repentance, seeking with our whole heart, dependence, responding to the prophetic call of God, putting aside whatever we're busy with to do what he asks us to be busy with. The church needs to be the church. The body of Christ needs to rise up in this hour and honor God by being obedient to him. One of the individuals last night in our time together said, obedience is simply the mark and demonstration of love. When you love God, you are obedient to him. And that's how you demonstrate your love, by being obedient. We do it with our children. When our children are obedient to us, we know they love us. They respect us. They honor us by their obedience. It's a demonstration. We're his kids. He's calling us into obedience and the call to prayer. So we will meet. We will gather. We will pray. We'll call on his name. And we'll allow him to do whatever he wants to do in our midst and through us, through our community. Is that all right? Can we let the word out? Invite everybody to anybody. Invite the other churches. They could come. You know, if we start hearing that more and more people want to come out and pray and seek his face, we'll move it to where we fit. We'll just start moving it around. We'll go wherever God wants us to go and we'll pray what he wants us to pray. And we'll let him have his way. Now, maybe all those things won't happen. Sometimes you see a little bit into the future and things are going to happen later. Maybe all that's not going to happen by Friday. Okay? But we will meet here at 7 and we will pray and we will call on his name. Everyone's invited. Father, we have much to do in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of not only knowing you and having our sins forgiven and becoming believers in Jesus, but we have the privilege of responding to you, responding to your voice, responding to your prophetic direction. And you have called us in this hour to seek your face. Lord, let us be like Jesus and say, your face I will seek. Give us obedient hearts. Give us responsive spirit. Lord, would you grant us success in scheduling some things out of our lives that eat up all the time we could be using to seek your face? Lord, give us a new glimpse of what that looks like so that perhaps our old paradigm or our old view of seeking your face, if it's not a pleasant one, can be dismantled and destroyed and give us a new vision of how seeking your face looks. Glorious, full of praise, full of worship, shouting, trumpets, invoking you to come, and you responding and, and defeating the enemies around us so we don't have to lift a finger because you're, you are glorifying yourself. Lord, lift us into another realm of seeking your face. And as we come, grant us your grace to repent. Grant us your grace to humble ourselves as we seek your face and pray and call upon your name. Lord, we are about your kingdom. We love our country. Lord, we want our country to come back to you. We want our nation to cry out to you and call out to you and come home to you. But Lord, even if they don't, it's still about you. It's not about being an American first. It's about being a Christian. It's not about being a nationality. It's about being a believer. Lord, raise our sights and cause us on this global day of prayer to see that we are connected to literally millions and billions of people who are today calling upon your name from every nation of the globe. Be glorified in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And by the way, they do have record that there are 220 nations in the world. 
that are um, official, and all 220 nations have somebody participating in the Global Day of Prayer today. That's awesome. That's the body of Christ. It's not a national thing. It's an international thing. And uh, go participate. Get on something that helps you do that. God.tv will help if you want to use them.